0: Well, Merry Christmas. So good to be with you. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> so good to be with you here tonight. My name is Adrian, and I'm one of the pastors here at Carney E. Free Church. If you're a newcomer, if this is your first time here, we welcome you. So grateful that you chose to join us today. If you're just in for the holidays, visiting friends or family, we're glad you're here. If you're from central Nebraska... Great, we're glad you're here, and if this is your regular church, again, we're so thankful though that you're here. We really believe in this church that every person matters, and you matter to God, you matter to us, and, and so we're glad to have this candlelight service together as we remember the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a familiar story for sure, we all know this story, but I hope we don't lose the beauty of this story in the familiarity of it, the fact that. As the Christian story goes, God chose to downsize from the throne room of heaven to enter into the dirt of this world and take on flesh and blood and toes and even the December flu season, and that He would dwell with us, that Jesus Christ would choose to identify with us, In fact that He would be born to a Virgin Mary who is not yet married. She's a a young teenage mom who's not yet married. She's betrothed, about to be married. She's got a, a good, good man. And he searched far and wide across South Kearney. He went to each of the hotels. And he found out all 1,920 rooms were already taken that night. And so he did the very best that he could. And he makes a bed of hay in a manger. And there, as the story goes... The Son of God is born into this world. I took some time this past week to to reread those beautiful narratives out of the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. And it was a great exercise for me. Our family did that together this past week. And just to sit in those again and kind of imagine myself into the scenes in Bethlehem was really very good for for my soul. Like to think about that brisk, star-filled night and this young lady on a donkey, riding into a foreign community. She's from Galilee, and she comes down to Bethlehem with Joseph by her side. And she realizes it's now time to give birth to to this baby that's been prophesied is the Son of God, the, the Savior of the world. And all that she has, like she doesn't have her aunties there. She doesn't have her mother there to be the midwife. She's left there in that moment with her husband, carpenter slash delivery Dr. Joseph. And the angel says to her, do not be afraid. I mean, fear is all over this story. She's scared. Joseph is no doubt scared. He's dealing with the shame that is probably still coming to him from his community over all of this. The shepherds are out in the field tending to to their flocks. It's getting late at night, and so they're putting their flocks away, and then all of a sudden this terrifying gleam of light, and the angels in the field say to the shepherds, do not be afraid. And it's this repeated theme if you read the Christmas narrative closely. It's kind of encouraging to me because it feels like we live in fearful times, does it not? not. It kind of feels like fearful times now. And repeatedly, the angels say to each character in the story, fear not, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. Why? Because Emmanuel has come. And the word Emmanuel is a Hebrew name for Jesus, which means God is with you. That whatever you've come in with tonight... Whatever you're dealing with tonight, God is present with us. And in the presence of God is love. In the presence of God is peace. If you take nothing else from this evening's message, I hope that you would take this. Because Emmanuel has come, the presence of God would intend to provide for us, even tonight, even this holiday season, a little bit more peace, a little bit more joy, and a little bit more grace to our lives. Let's start with joy. The presence of Christ brings us joy. The angel said to them, verse 2 is what we just heard, the angel said to the shepherds in the field, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Who could use a little bit more joy in their lives right now? Right? I bring you good news of great joy Not just for the shepherds, but for all people. That's what it says. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. When God sends his son into this world, he intends to change this world. He intends to bring more of his joy into this world. And it's not for a select few, it's for all people. Over the course of this past month, here in this room, we've been doing a message series that, that we called uh, The Songs of the Season. We've looked at a whole bunch of Christmas carols and what are the stories behind those Christmas carols and what are the passages from the scriptures that inform the writing of those Christmas carols. And my favorite Christmas carol, in fact, the all-time best Christmas carol, no matter what you might say, is O Holy Night. Without question, that's my favorite Christmas carol, and I learned a little bit more about this carol over this past month. It was written in 1847 by a French man named Placida Capot. I'm not very good at French, so that may not be accurate, but it's something like that. And Capot was not a priest or a pastor. He was not even a music composer. He was the local wine merchant for his village. In other words, he kind of like, in contemporary terms, he owned the local liquor store, okay? Um, He's much more known for his poetry than he was for his church attendance. In fact, he rarely ever went to church because he was an atheist, and so Capot was very surprised when the local parish priest came to him, knowing that he was a poet, and asked him if he would write a poem for the upcoming Christmas Eve Masses. But Capot loved his art form, and so he delighted to share his art with other people, and he gladly obliged that request. He didn't know much about the Christmas story, and so he dove into the source. He studied, and he read, and he imagined himself into, as he meditated upon the story in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, and Luke chapter 1 and 2. And as he imagined himself in those scenes, slowly rereading it, he imagined this innocent young couple. And the thoughts of the Son of God coming to such a simple place as Bethlehem, and that God would choose to be born to peasants and to an unwed teenage mother, and that second-class shepherds would be the first witnesses of it all, and angels would be rejoicing, and all of these different images, all these different scenes from the Christmas story were enough to cause a shiver, to go down Capot's spine, to bring him to his knees with a bit of weeping, and as he dreams himself into this story, he wrote these now famous lyrics. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It was the night. Of the dear Savior's birth Long lay the world In sin and error pining Till he appeared and the soul Felt its worth The thrill of hope A weary world rejoices I love that line A thrill of hope The weary world rejoices. When someone comes to you and you're kind of in a despondent place, maybe you've had a failure of some kind. Or to quote this hymn, sin and error pining. Some failure is kind of sticking to your soul, so to speak. You're languishing in it. And someone comes to you in the midst of that And no matter what you're going through, as you're dwelling upon that sense of failure, they tell you and they show you, I commit to you no matter what. I love you and I'm for you and I'm not going anywhere and I commit to you. What do you feel in that moment? I promise you what you feel is your soul feels worth. Oh, in spite of this misstep that I've taken. This person is still for me. They know me, and yet even so, they love me. And how about if your maker does that for you? And not only so, he wants to be your redeemer. And you begin to believe that whatever he says about you is the truest thing about you. Well, that, my friends, is indeed good news of great joy and a splendid reason to celebrate Christmas this season, is it not? The soul feels its worth. The weary world rejoices because Christ has come and he's brought with him good news of great joy. Next, the presence of Christ brings us peace. It brings us a little bit more joy this season and the presence of Christ is meant to bring us grace. I said peace, but the presence of Christ is meant to bring us grace. Grace is the most distinctive Christian word. Grace means treating people better than they deserve. It's going into a place and seeing unhealth and saying, I'm going to bring health into this place where there's a lack of health and I'm not gonna expect anything in return. Grace is God choosing to forgive us even though we don't necessarily bring anything to, to the table, It's us saying, yes, I need forgiveness, and God saying, yes, I give you forgiveness. You need to bring anything, you need not bring anything to me. I come to you, and in love, I forgive you, and I welcome you. That's grace. Now, unfortunately, most people today, I find, suggest that they don't really need grace. Have you noticed that? We're really good today at pretending we have it all together, have you noticed? It's like a profession in contemporary America. We'd like to show that we have it all together. Even as we know, we definitely do not. Many of our favorite sports heroes like to tell us that they have no regrets. Come on, who are you fooling? There's a popular contemporary song where the musician says, I only talk to God when I need a favor. Otherwise, I have no need for him. Obviously, politicians on both sides insist that they do no wrong. They never do any wrong, right? So they say, though they're all lying through their teeth. Unfortunately, we're kind of bathed in this milieu, and the result is many of us kind of follow suit, and we pretend to have it all together. But the Bible says something very different. The Bible says that we actually need grace. The Bible says we actually need a Savior. And from first to last, really every page of the Bible insists that everyone falls in one way or another. And while God loves us deeply, also at the same time, when we fall morally before a holy and just God, that leaves us at times in a difficult predicament which we cannot extricate ourselves out of. And so God enters right into that to give us his grace. And even the Christmas story, don't miss this in all the sentimentality of this season, even the Christmas story insists on our condition. Verse 11 of Luke chapter 2, today in the town of David, a Savior. You see it? A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Christmas, my friends, is about God stooping down. It's about God choosing to come to us in a lousy condition, about God coming to our rescue. It's about God saying to us that you're valuable enough that I would even die for you. What Jesus does at Christmas is he sets in God's plan. God's great plan is set into motion at Christmas, which ultimately is finalized on Easter when Jesus Christ goes up to that old rugged cross to die for us and rise again on the third day. And grace would say, there is nothing that you can do, my friends. Here's grace. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. That's grace. God comes to us as we are and says, I love you just as you are. Seems to me grace is kind of like water. Finally, we got some rain last night. It hit those hillsides, and it was so dry that the, the water just kind of fell down into the valley. We have a little gulch outside of our house. It fell down immediately into that gulch and just filled it up, and grace is kind of like that. It hits us, and then it goes down to the lowest and the deepest places in us, When we're broken, that's when grace comes to us. When we feel like we have nothing to offer, that's when grace comes to us. When you are an unmarried peasant girl outside of her own hometown, that's when grace comes to you. When we are struggling and we admit that we need a Savior, it's specifically there at the lowest place. That is when God's grace comes to us. Oh, holy night, The stars are brightly shining. It was the night of the dear Savior's birth. Emmanuel has come, and as he came, he brings the presence of joy to our homes. He comes and he brings more grace to us, and Emmanuel comes and in his love, he desires to bring more peace to our most important relationships. The presence of Christ brings peace. Look at verse 14 up on the screen. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace. Peace to men and women on whom his favor rests. You see, my friends, contrary to like the, I'd call them professional arguers on the cable news channels, they get paid to argue, do they not? And contrary to all the arguers on social media, and all the people in politics who always insist the other one is wrong, and all those folks who pretend to stand up for, for Jesus while they're arguing and trying to prove someone else wrong, Christmas is not about that, and Christianity is not about that. Christianity is, is about bringing peace. To men and women. It's about bringing peace to families. It's not about proving someone else that you are right and they are wrong. The Christmas story, if we really enter into it, is about God choosing to bring peace to our homes. God choosing to bring peace to our souls. Us coming to know Christ in such a way that we receive peace vertically with God and out of that peace vertically with God, we can begin to find peace horizontally while with one another because God fills us with his goodness and we become more and more people of integrity and kindness and gentleness and we actually want to become peacemakers while with one another because this is the reality of the Christmas story. Jesus came to to bring peace. Friends, even an atheist wine merchant in France saw it when he chose to honestly look at the Gospels and then he wrote these words Truly, he taught us to love one another. Mm. Truly, Jesus taught us to love one another, his law is love. And his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break because the slave became our brother. He became a slave in order to become our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Man, so good. Wherever that message takes root that person will become a peacemaker. This is just the fruit of the gospel. This is what God does in our lives as we sink into Him and His love. I heard the most beautiful story about this a few weeks ago from a friend of mine who I'll call Katie. And she lives in another state, and she was married for 25 years or so, And her husband was not a very nice man. And they got divorced. They had three kids together. And her ex-husband is now late 60s. And he's come down with dementia. And in addition to being a not very nice man before, now in his dementia, he's prone to these very angry outbursts at everyone. And it's created a wedge between a father and his three grown children. And so the grown children have been calling Katie up and saying, Dad won't listen to anything that we say. Dad really needs some medical help. We need to start having some conversations. And he's unwilling to have any of those conversations. And frankly, I don't really want to be around him, but because he's always angry at us, and we're just tired of the outbursts. And Katie got off the phone, and she turned to her husband. She's now remarried, and she asked her husband... Would it be okay if we invited my ex-husband over for Thanksgiving dinner? And we can invite our kids over as well. And maybe, just maybe, God would use us to be instruments of peace in their relationships. Because those kids need a relationship with their dad. And that dad needs a relationship with their kids. And so they invited him over and they came and it wasn't perfect but it was good. And it was a start to which we say glory to God in highest heaven and on earth peace. Peace to men and women on whom his favor rests. Now I sadly it seems like. like, seems like we probably won't see peace on earth during our lifetimes. I wish we would. I hope I'm wrong. But what we can do is pursue a little bit more peace in the small postage stamp of creation that God has entrusted to our care. And that's ours. And so let me just wrap up with this. What if tonight around the dinner table, you allowed this message to sink in? What if tomorrow morning around the breakfast table or maybe just in the quiet of your own room by yourself asking Father God to be present with you in that moment? What if you took a moment to reread some of this Christmas narrative and as you did so, you simply said these three things that I've just said to God? You say, Lord Jesus, I'd like to have a little bit more of your joy we'd like to have a little bit more of your joy in our family would you please provide that and Lord Jesus we'd like to know a little bit more of your grace would you please forgive us that we would forgive one another and Father in heaven while we ask that you would enable us to be peacemakers with all we come in contact with today and maybe even you take a moment to share a word of blessing with every person that is gathered around your table Because the will of God for all of us, no matter what you've come in with emotionally tonight, no matter what your background belief, no matter where you've come from, I am firmly convinced from the Christmas story the will of God for all of us is to bring the presence of Christ into our homes and in his presence is joy and grace and peace. So, fear not. Christ has come, and still he lives. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for sending your glorious Son from a throne room in heaven to the dirt of this world, that you have come to dwell even with us. And the message of the first Christmas didn't end with Mary and Joseph and the shepherds in the field. The message of the first Christmas extends all the way to us here in 2023, and how deeply we need to know this message, that in your presence, O God, is fullness of joy. In your presence, O God, is the grace that forgives. In your presence, O God, is peace for our most treasured relationships. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your word is true. You taught us to love one another. Your law is love and your gospel is peace. I pray, God, that you would do a work in each of us tonight, in our families this evening and tomorrow morning. We each are wrestling well with different kinds of stuff. Some of us are struggling in our families, and so we would just invite your presence, oh God. Do a work in us. We're dealing with things that oftentimes we can't handle on our own, we can't fix on our own, and so we ask, Lord, for your wisdom in our homes tonight and tomorrow, that perhaps this would be a Christmas celebration that makes a difference in our lives for many years to come. We give you thanksgiving and praise tonight with one voice. We thank you, Jesus, for coming. Amen.